Welcome back to First Draft Phil. I'm your host, Phil Lager, and this is the show where we talk about worship, music, and following Jesus. This is episode one of season two. And thank you to those of you who have listened to every episode so far. I have some very special guests lined up for you guys for season two, starting off with today's guest, Erin Weichel. Erin and her husband, Chris, are friends that I've made over the last several years. Both of these guys have a heart for worship. Both are very creative people who've been involved in a number of different musical projects over the last several years. And today we're going to just get to know Aaron a little bit, uh, and I encourage you to pay attention because as I was listening back, I realized that there are quite a few nuggets of wisdom that Aaron just kind of casually drops in the conversation. Uh, she's a person of deep faith and um, just such a genuine follower of Jesus. Uh, so sit back and enjoy part one of my conversation with worship leader and singer-songwriter Aaron Weichel. so excited to have on today's episode of First Draft Phil, wife, mother, leader, musician, and advocate, my friend, Aaron Weichel. Aaron, welcome to First Draft Phil. Thanks. Uh, Aaron and I have known each other for uh, a few years now. The first, I was trying to remember the first time that we met, and I think it was when, myself, Marty, uh, Michaels and Anna Street uh, as outside worship came to lead worship at Officers Councils uh, several years ago in a division that no longer exists or the combination of what. Right. Anyway, all that to say, uh, uh, I have loved getting to know you over the years and I'm so happy to introduce other people to you and your music. Um, the first thing I like to do is just give a people a sense of who is Aaron Weichel. How'd you grow up? How'd you come to faith in Christ? Yeah, it's a loaded question. It's a good one. <laughs> um, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Salvation Army, specifically. My parents are pastors or officers in the Salvation Army, have been for generations. Um, so I grew up understanding faith from the lens of being a, a pastor's kid, really. Um, and I remember kind of just loving every opportunity within the church to kind of uh, travel around Um, in the Salvation Army. You get moved around much like the military, as you know. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we were stationed in a number of different cities, a number of different states, and just kind of loved the opportunity to see 
what ministry would look like under, you know, my parents' um, supervision and kind of to jump in with them and be a part of that in so many different places from Honolulu, Hawaii, to Phoenix, Arizona, to um, Tacoma, Washington, just kind of up and down the West Coast. And so I think from an early age, yeah, I loved, just loved what the Salvation Army was about, but loved what what Jesus was about through our organization and being able to witness that at a really, really young age. Um, you know, you get to a point, I think in your journey where you've got to figure out what faith is for yourself, right? That you can't um, just right on the coattails of your, your family members, your parents. So, you know, I think it wasn't until maybe my teenage years that I really began to kind of wrestle with some of those faith issues and trying to figure out what is it that I believe? What is it that matters to me? And what is the truth about some really hard issues and really kind of met the Lord when I was 13 or 14, I think in a profound way at a youth gathering and just kind of let him touch my heart in a way that I hadn't really experienced before in the church. So yeah, that's kind of the early beginnings of my faith journey. And of course, it's been tumultuous <laughs> up and down for years since then. But I really, um, I really love the Lord. I love what he's done in my life. I love that he he works miracles still today. And I am living proof of him being able to do what, you know, what has seemed impossible um, in so many other circumstances without him. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Mm. Uh, now you are a worship leader. Um, I want to get. Uh, I want to come back to uh, your journey in a little bit. Uh, well, actually, I guess this is part of your journey for sure. Um, well, did you grow up in a musical family? Was your family musical? Um, and <laughs> uh, maybe talk a little bit about that, and then how that led to worship and worship leading. Yeah, I absolutely grew up in a musical family. My father is insanely musical. He just he he can play guitar, he can sing, he has all the brass instruments, all that stuff. So we grew up um, learning from him. My mom isn't quite as musical. I'll be gentle with my language there, but I'd say my talent comes from him. Um, but I have su- such fond memories of just like learning to worship by being around my dad. Um, I remember when like the contemporary worship movement kind of was just beginning to come into place. Um, I was like six or seven years old and he would have me joining my brother and I would both join. My brother plays um, guitar, piano, super musical guy, way more musical than me, but he just have us at an early age jumping in with him on Sunday mornings to figure out what it is to do contemporary worship in a church service. Um, and so we were, we were small, but we were up there, um, doing all that integrity music, all of those originals and just kind of going for it. Um, but I will say, you know, we, we also grew up in the thick of being forced to do piano lessons for forever, you know, 15 years of piano lessons, that kind of thing, but also being exposed to brass music, which is pretty, pretty key to the Salvation Army and it's, it's ministry, it's music ministry. So yeah, Yeah. definitely grew up in a musical (laughs) Yeah. yeah, cool. So it sounds like you you kind of learn by osmosis and just being mm-hmm. part of. I mean, and, um, coming from I, I come from a musical family as well, and so it definitely helps. It's just kind of like it's just the it's the faith and music is just kind of like the the ocean that you swim in. Um, yeah. So when did you? Um, so you mentioned that you 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 had a, a, a an experience in your teens 
Um, when did you feel like music was something that you wanted to do with a lot of, of your life? Like it was a passion of yours? Because it's definitely, you've been doing music for a while now, and it's definitely a passion of yours. And then maybe we'll talk about the Salvation Army thing. Sure. Um, I think most distinctly, I remember being in maybe my freshman, sophomore year of college, and for the first time kind of figuring out that I liked to write music that I was trying to figure out how to, how to compose my own songs. And, um, I hadn't dabbled much in that really any earlier than those first years, but I keenly remember sitting in a theology class. I was a theology major and more or less paying attention, but kind of just like being like struck with lyrics in those moments. So just started keeping a journal, um, where I would write down lyrics mm. to songs and just try to like, try to work through that process. And so, um, I think that's the first time I thought, oh, I could actually, I could actually write a song and maybe the song would be expressive of my faith experience or my journey in a way. And that, you know, that was in 2005, um, sorry, 2001. So it's, you know, it's been about 20 years of yeah. trying to figure out, is this something I want to try to do and have that be integrated in, into my life in some way? Do you remember, um, do you remember the first song you wrote? Can you remember the first song that you I wrote? I do. People? Yeah. yeah. What, what was it? Yeah, it's called Here Am I, based off of that Isaiah passage, just kind of about the willingness and the readiness to be available to God. Yeah, Here Am I. I think there's a few discs still floating around somewhere out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. I see you all around, glimpses of heaven touch the ground. Till I saw me through your eyes It's hard to understand How a God so big, so grand Could love me And all this time I've waited For you to speak to me And I just want to hear what you have to say They say you're always speaking But I cannot hear your voice Oh Father, can you hear me? You're the God who set the world into motion The God who gave the roar to the ocean The one who hung each planet in the sky You're the God who makes the sparrows sing the God who sees each little thing Oh, but God, do you see me? Uh, now, you and I have a couple, we have several actually mutual friends, but I'm thinking of, uh, of, of friends in particular that are mutual friends of ours, um, who I have the fortune of living very close to now here in, uh, in Tennessee. But um, maybe talk about, um, um, maybe talk about, well, let me just ask this. How did you meet your husband? Because that is, uh, that, that could probably be its own podcast episode from, from <laughs> conversations I've had with you guys in yeah. the past. <laughs> but how did you meet? And then how did you find yourself moving to Tennessee? Sure, yeah. Um, so my husband is Chris, and he is yeah. also super musical, um, has a worshiper's heart. We met actually on a Salvation Army mission trip, a summer mission. Um, I was the team leader to Mexico City. It was an eight week trip. 
And he was the guy that got put on the team super last minute. So we met, we, we like to tell people we, we fell into love in Mexico city, which I think is fairly accurate. Um, so yeah, it's kind of where it all began, but just, we would spend a ton of time just listening to each other's experiences, talking about, um, you know, what our ministry and life was like. He was from Southern California. I was up in school in Seattle. Um, and so we had ran in different circles, had different friends, but uh, that summer we kind of, we took interest in each other. <laughs> yeah. And that was, what year was that? That would have been 2003, 2003. Cool. cool. Yeah. So then of course we have, mutual friend and you mentioned having friends in Tennessee that are are mutual with us as well but uh Chris's best friend dearest friend is Tom Freeman and so we you know we uh I didn't grow up with him Chris did in Southern California but we ended up becoming good friends and then um ended up somehow moving from moving our lives and our families from the west all the way to the south which we had never been to um and kind of began life, doing life there with Tom and Rachel Freeman and the whole crew in Lebanon where um, where they still are serving faithfully. Yeah. 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 Wild. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And it's so cool how God weaves things together and, and uh, yeah, brings brings people who have similar hearts together. Um, the, the Freemans definitely, they love worship. They love Jesus. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love them, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, amazing. but so you, you guys were here for a few years. How many years were you here? And you, you started to feel like God yeah. was maybe calling you, um, mm-hmm. to become yeah. Salvation Army officers. Talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, so we moved there we in 2010 and we were there for five years. Um, when we moved, we really felt like we just needed a hard reset in our lives and our family. We, we went with two babies. So we had young children, um, Jack and Ava, and we, we knew we needed to be in a faith community that was really going to help us grow, um, in ways that we weren't experiencing where we were. And so, we went again, no, we didn't have a place to live. We didn't have a house. We didn't have jobs yet. We kind of went in faith um, and did the hard thing of like walking away from everything. Like, you know, right? Like you walk away from everything that you know, just because you know it's what you're meant to do. Um, so we were there for five years and man, God just did, he just did a remarkable work in both of us. Um, we ended up having two more kids there. So we were feeling very settled in the South, which was something I'd never thought I would say, having come from the West Coast. Sure. But the first the first two years there were hard. Um, you know, God had to do a lot of undoing in me. Um, I had to re- relay a new foundation in my life of mm-hmm. faith, a, of an identity that was really in him and not in anything else. And that was hard. That was really painful. But that community was just remarkable and really coming alongside both Chris and I, um, helping us see the reality of Jesus in a way that we hadn't experienced before. So, yeah, you know, I had two babies and had that conversation that everyone has when they've got multiple kids of like, okay, what's next? Like, am I going to keep working? Am I going to, you know, what is this going to look like? And so we began asking the Lord, Hey, you know, what do you have for us? And again, we were pretty settled, happy in the South. And he kind of made clear it was time to come back to the West. And um, as we began to pray and ask about it, it, it again became clear that he wanted us to become Salvation Army officers, pastors, and, and leaders in this organization. And and we were shocked initially, really shocked about it, but it seemed it was very clear that was the next step for us. So 
So we did. We left, and and that was it was a hard goodbye. <laughs> it yeah. was a hard one. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thou art Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking. thinking about talking to you and um, knowing all of that, you know, I grew up in the Salvation Army myself. Um, I, my parents are officers, and so I, I know that life, and I know all, all, all that it demands of you as a Salvation Army officer, all the different hats that you have to wear. How do you find time? How do you and Chris find time amongst y- your, your kids, um, the core that you're running? Uh, how do you find time to both um, keep your relationship with Jesus vibrant and um, do things you're passionate about, like like worship and and mm-hmm. making music? How do you do that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think as I've gotten older and as we are understanding how ministry happens in our lives, it, it it's necessitated, right, that we have connection with Jesus that's real and authentic and personal. And I feel like Mm. when that is absent or that is lacking, it's like you have no fuel for the things that you're doing. Um, And I think it's easy to do good things for Jesus and to work for an organization that does good things to help people in need and it not be fueled by the power and sustaining work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, again, we, we, we both would say that we just like, we need to be before Jesus. Like we need to um, be spending time with him, letting him speak into all of the things that we do. And then as my husband always says, we, we need to let him lead us into both activity and into rest. It's not that we rest from him ever, Ooh, but that we good. let him lead us into activity and rest. And so that's something that's really resonated with me in the past several years as I've tried to figure out how to be better at resting and Sabbathing and taking that time to, to let him restore me. Um, but, you know, taking the time to also, like you asked, do the things that we're passionate about that can be challenging, um, because I feel like that's the one thing we're lacking all the time. It's time, you know, we, we don't have enough time to do all of the things that we want to do, Mm -hmm. but it's so integrated, you know, like as, as a, as a worshiper, as a worship leader, as someone who just loves, loves, loves to sing and to sit at the piano and to just to worship that, those things are beautiful gifts and offerings that we give to yeah. Jesus himself. And so those things fuel, fuel the activity. They fuel the things that we do for him because it's, it's coming out of this place of connectivity with him. To let Jesus lead us 
into both activity and into rest. It's not that we have a rest from him, but that we let him lead us into both of these. Um, I think that's such a good reminder for us going into this new year. Um, We have a a lot of plans ahead of us. Uh, I know I do. Um, And we can either get burnout just by doing everything in our own strength and then, you know, uh, going from one extreme to the other. But if we let Jesus lead us, uh, in work and, you know, come alongside of him, like it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, um, that we should take his yoke on us because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And then also just let him lead us beside those still waters, restore our soul. Um, such a good reminder for us going into the new year. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Uh, next week will be part two of my conversation with Aaron and we get a little bit into the uh, details of songs that she's written, including a song that I had the privilege of co-writing with her called King Jesus. So yeah, I'll see you next week. In the meantime, remember, God is faithful all the way from your first draft to your finished story. God bless you guys.